Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here's a message from one of our pastors. We pray this message speaks to you. Good morning. How are we doing today? I have to put on my adult voice. Let me get... Why? All right. We can do it. We can do it kids church style. So, uh, if you don't know me yet, my name is Tony. Um, my parents did not name me pastor, so I have to, I don't know. Are they even here? Are they here? No. Where? Oh. Hi guys. Yeah, they did not. I mean, that would have been pretty funny, but, uh, no. Um, So I want to start off, let's pray. Father, thank you in Jesus' name for your word. Thank you that you speak to us. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, God. And Father, I pray that you would call us forward today to be the ultimate blessing that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, today we're going to talk about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, I'm going to get through this quick because I'm actually really hungry. Um, I was teaching over in kids' church, and it was like... And the, my, my stomach's growling. The kids are like, I'm hungry. When are we getting snack? I was like, yeah, when are we getting snack? Do you guys get snack over here? No. Oh. Hey, if you want a snack, you got to come work in kids' church. We get snack. All right, so we're going to talk about the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, 5,000 men. Um, some theologians have actually said approximately it could have been anywhere from eight to 15,000 people. Um, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of snacks. I, you know, we don't try to get that many snacks, but we, we, like, we like our snacks over there. And other than the resurrection, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only other miracle recorded in all four Gospels. If you didn't know that, now you do. So let's set the stage for Mark chapter 6, right? So what's going on in Mark chapter 6? There's a lot going on in Mark chapter 6. We start off, Jesus goes to his hometown. He's trying to preach. He's trying to teach. And people are like... Isn't that that carpenter? Isn't that Mary's son? Isn't isn't his brothers and sisters with us? We're not I'm not going to listen to him. So Jesus lays his hand on a few people. They get healed, and he goes to his disciples, and he's like, "Prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, I guess." So they leave. Then he says, "You know what? I got a good idea. I'm going to send you guys out two by two. We're going to do the buddy system." And I'm going to give you authority over the impure spirits. And I want you to go out. And I want you to preach repentance. I want you to anoint people that the sick may recover. So they go and they go out. While this is happening, I believe, chronologically, if not somewhere in there, John the Baptist has an unfortunate incident. Um, he, there's a dance, there's a promise, and then there's a platter. Uh, John did not fare well on that. And, I, and listen, the, the disciples, they knew John the Baptist, right? They, they, that was Jesus' cousin. They knew him. So this is, this is a lot to take in. I mean, they're, they're, they're learning a lot with Jesus, but they still just, like, like Pastor Kurt was saying, they just don't get it, you know? And we read the Bible. We have the great, this great grand picture we can look at, and we're like, we're like, what are you guys, like, really? Really, guys? Come on. He just, he just multiplied all this stuff. He just made food appear, and, and you still don't get it. But they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the reference, and their hearts were hard. So John the Baptist is beheaded, um, and I'm sure that that, was, that played a lot heavy on them. They're like, wait, if he got, then what, or 
You know, so that's a lot to play on somebody's head. Jesus then tells the disciples and they get back from their little missionary journey. Like, listen, you guys did a really good job. We're going to go to this secluded place. We're going to hang out. We're going to chill. We're going to take a break. We need some rest. They get in the boat and they start to row and the people see them. They're like, look, there's Jesus and his friends. We got to follow him. Let's run all the way to the other side. This is like four mile journey. They run and they run and they run and they run and they get there. They beat Jesus and the disciples there. Disciples are getting out of the boat. They're like, whew, man, we're tired. We can't wait to, oh my gosh, there's 5,000 people here. What the heck? I'm willing to bet the disciples were tired, they were hungry, and they're looking around, and then Jesus is over there all smiling like, and he had compassion on them. He said, aw. Everybody say, aw. Jesus looked at these people and he said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them all day long. Jesus loved to teach. Jesus was full of compassion, and he was going to teach these people. Now, the disciples, remember, they're tired, they're hungry, they just went on a missionary missions trip. Anybody ever been on a missions trip before? Or a trip? Or spent time with kids? <laughs> when you're done, you're tired. You want to relax. You want to chill. You want to put your feet up, get something to eat. So Jesus starts teaching these people, and they're like this. They're probably all over in the corner like this. All right, we got to get him to stop. He, he's, he's on a roll. I mean, good. yeah, yes, Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's good. Peter, what do we do? I don't know, man. Like, he won't stop. What are we, we going to do? Uh, all right. Uh, best out of three paper rock scissors. They got to tell him to go. To, to, we got to send him away. Oh, I'm not, send, I'm not telling him. You tell him. No, you tell him. Andrew loses. Andrew is not good at paper rock scissors. Andrew loses, and they, like, shove him out of the crowd. And he's like... Uh, <clears throat> Jesus, great job, by the way. Great sermon today. You're doing such a good job. I just want to encourage you, Jesus, you know, always great. Um, I'm not sure if you know, it's getting really late, and you did say you wanted us to rest, and this is like a long day. You know, we're already tired. Not sure if you know that there's nothing around. Chick-fil-A is literally like 45-minute dr- boat drive away. There's nothing to eat here. It's late and verse 36, Mark chapter 6, verse 36, he says, send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Send them away. Point number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, get a pencil and then take notes. Number one, identify the need, okay? Identify the need. What's, what's the need? What's our outlook on a need, all right? Philippians chapter two, verse four. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest. Don't be selfish, but also look out for the interests of others. Don't be selfish. What's the need here? What's the need? Hungry. I'm hungry. I want the food. I want the snacks. I'm tired. Hungry. Who was hungry? The disciples were hungry. I don't think they were really that concerned with the people. They were like, Jesus, send them away so we can eat. 
Like, we only got a little bit of snacks left. We can't share all this stuff. Send them away. You see, Jesus, he was primed and pumped and ready to teach. The disciples were tired and hungry. Another long day of ministry. Another long emotionally, physically, and spiritually draining day. Back to the need. Hunger. The disciples are hungry. They tell Jesus what he should do. Has anybody ever tried to tell Jesus what he should do? Let me ask you a question. How well did that work out for you? You know when you tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, I've been thinking. I know. No, wait, wait, wait. I got this. I got Jesus. You're going to, this is a good one. Send them away. Because I, I got your back, Jesus. I know that you're not thinking about everybody else right now because you're teaching, but send them away. How well did it work out for them? Not good. Verse 36, send them away <clears throat> that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. They saw a problem, but their solution was to send it away. Jesus answered them in verse 37. He said, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to send them away. Good. Andrew, thank you for bringing that to my attention. I wasn't even thinking about that. Nope, he didn't say that. He said, you give them something to eat. Yeah, that's right. We're going to send. Wait, what? Oh, you, you want us to do it. Oh, okay. Hey, Peter, uh, we got a problem. Did you tell him to send him away? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Um, <clears throat> remember last time we told him what to do? Yeah. He said, we have to feed him. How are we supposed to do that? I don't know. You, you should tell him, Peter. Go ask him how. No, Andrew, Andrew is not good at paper, rock, scissors. Total backfire, right? Jesus said, or they said to Jesus, well, should we just go spend all our money, eight months worth of, of, of earned wages, and we could buy something, a little bit of something to eat? Everybody can have like a little bit, you know? We could, we could do that. I mean, that's not a good idea, Jesus. See, our tendency, like the disciples, is just to humanize the problem and the solution, the disciples were trying to provide a solution to a need that they didn't even know that Jesus was trying to show them. We often look past everyday needs because our time, our talent, and our treasure just isn't good enough in our eyes. Well, I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. Someone else is way better at it than I am. Why would anybody want, why would, why would God want me to do that? Number two, take inventory. We all know what inventory is, right? All right. I had to ask the kids that. They didn't know. Actually, some of them did know. So I, I explained Minecraft. You know, like, you know when you get all your things in, oh, yeah, yeah. So they got it. First Corinthians 12, 5 and 6. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Jesus said, what do you have? We got this kid. He's got like five loaves, two fish, 
But how far is that going to go? With so many people, Jesus. But I think Jesus is saying, well, what do you have? What do you have? You have time, you have talent, and you have treasure. Any combination of those three, you always have that. You can always give somebody your time. You can always use whatever talent God gave you. Your treasure is what you have that you can give. It doesn't matter how great it is. It doesn't matter how shiny it is. You can give it. The boy was willing to give his lunch that his mom probably packed him when he was running out the door saying, Mom, stop, I'm going to be late. And she's like, no, you need to take some lunch. You're going to get hungry. It's probably going to be a long day. Here's five loaves and two fish. You want anything else? You want like a juice box or something? Yeah, Mom, I'll take a juice box too. That's fine. Hurry up. I got to go. Jesus is going to preach on, like, we're going to go. We're going to meet him. But anyway, he was willing to give what he had. Maybe. I don't know. He's probably like, I got like some fish and loaves that my mom packed, but if I give it away, last time I gave my lunch away, I got in trouble. (laughs) But he was willing to give what he had, except the juice box. That wasn't in there. He drank. He was like, I only have, uh, I have six, I have five loaves and two fish. Point number three, be obedient. John 14, 23, the NIV says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. I'll tell you a little story. Um, I worked at a job. I was an orthopedic sales rep and I had to wear nice clothes. I had like dress clothes on, dress shoes, dress shirt, usually like a tie or like a sweet sweater vest. Um, so I get to the parking garage and I get out of my garage, out of, the, out of my car. I got my, my, my satchel cause it's not a purse. It's a satchel. Got my satchel and you know, I, I look nice. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go for the day and I'm walking and I see a rotting, disgusting, soggy, nasty, wet ketchup all over the bag, McDonald's bag, just sitting on the ground. And I went, ew. And I walked over it. And I was thinking to myself, boy, that really stinks for the rest to clean that up because that's gross. You know when paper gets wet and it's just like, ugh. I don't know about you, but that just really grosses me out. Like wet, there's something about wet paper that's just like, ugh. But this is even worse because I don't like McDonald's at all. So that's gross. There's ketchup like all over it and like just gross, right? So I'm walking and, and I'm walking and I'm like, man, that really stinks for that guy who has to clean that up. Haha. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. I'm like, excuse me? He didn't really say you give him something, but I want you to get the point. He said, you pick it up. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm like, I'm dressed up, Jesus. I don't, I'm, I'm good. Somebody will get that. That guy with the scooper thing gets it. So I keep walking and I thought he was just kidding, you know, like, ha good one. He said, pick it up. But it's gross. And the germies. 
I don't like gross things touching my hands. Now you say, ha ha, you're a kid's pastor, so there. Yeah, I know. Hey, Pastor Tony, high five. And I'm like, why is your high five crispy? Or why is your high five sticky? Why are our hands stuck together? I'm like, Yes, thank you for the high five. I give and receive about 200 high fives daily. I am a high five machine. I will high five your kid. I don't care. It's gross. I, dude, it's so gross. But as soon as the kids are gone, don't tell them that. Are there any kids in here? Shh, all you youth, listen, do earmuffs. Okay, I love people, but like sometimes you just got to wash the fellowship off. You know what I'm saying? So I want to back up a little bit. When I first became a Christian, we'll get back to this story, I promise. When I first became a Christian, I I didn't know what my time, talent, or treasure was. I didn't really know what I could do. Um, But I figured, like, I could do something. I wanted to do something. There was like a burning, a yearning deep inside my soul to pick up paper on the floor. And I remember, like, being in church, and I'm like, is there something I can do? And they're like, yeah, here's a sweeper. I'm like, yes. So I swept. I'd sweep the carpet and I was cool with it. I was so excited to serve. I was so excited to do something. I wanted to do whatever I could. And then it got to the point where I would see like little pieces of paper and I would pick them up. See, now I, I don't have, I don't really diagnose with OCD or anything like that, but I like things a certain way, a certain order all the time. So that's not OCD. I have, my keys are always in my left front pocket. My phone is always in my right front pocket. My wallet is always in my left, wait, right back pocket. Left back pocket, that's where garbage goes. I'm not even kidding. I'll see pieces of paper and sometimes there's just no garbage can, like a candy wrapper. And I don't put like, there's no gummies or grossies, no. Like paper, like if I see like a piece of paper, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just, you know, pick it up. Like garbage, no. Goes in the back pocket. That's where garbage goes. And at the end of the day, you, or you leave it in your jeans and your wife says, what was in your back pocket? <laughs> I don't know. But I was happy to be obedient. I was just happy to do something for God. I just wanted to serve. I just wanted to do what God wanted me to do. And I didn't, I didn't know like I said, I didn't know my time, town, or my treasure. All right. Back to the dripping, vile pile of nasty. Now, I had been obedient. I had been doing things. And at this point in my life, I was actually a youth leader. I'm almost to the steps of the, of the uh, garage, right? The parking garage. I'm there, and he says, one more time, pick it up. And I'm like, Lord, you know I'll do anything you say. I just don't know why. I'm like, you know how disgusting that is, and you know I will literally gag as soon as I touch it. We're both aware that that I do not want to do this. However, I succumb to my emotions and the knowing that I'm going to have the germies. And I walked over there, 
And I'm not even kidding. I scooped it right up. Now, one would think that there would be a garbage can right there and you could just, nope, there was not garbage can there. So I'm having this thing and I'm, I'm, all the way down the steps, not one flight, not two flights, not three flights, but four, four flights of steps with the jermies and the ketchup and the soggy and the dripping and finally get down to the street level and I'm like, oh, thank goodness, a garbage can. But guess what? Well, that would have been cool too. No, it wasn't full. But it was one of those side entrance ones. You can't just like, no, there was none of that. It was because I had to like, the open, I'm like, who makes a garbage can with an opening like this big? Like, why? So some, some engineer one day was like, this is a great idea. I'm going to put it on the side and make it super duper small. Yeah. And all his employees, all the other people were like, that's a great idea, right? I know. Thanks, engineer. Whatever, man. So I'm like, all right, I'm about to get all sorts of personal with this. It shall be named as now. I'm, I'm like this. And I'm shoving it in, and it's on my arms. It's touching me. It touched me. And now, now, something about me, if I'm going to be dirty, I'll be dirty. Like, if there's going to be, if I'm going to get something gross on me, it's, it's on there, and I'm okay with it. But the exact second that I can get it off, I'm, I will. I, I want it off of me. But, like, if we're going to go, like, ride quads and get dirt, I'm fine with that or, you know, whatever. But there's something about that. When I'm sticking that in there, and I'm like, why? Why? And even the, the security guard's like, what are you doing? I was like, don't ask, man. We, we ain't got time for this today. Don't ask. So I get it in there, and I'm like, Wah! I need to get inside. Now, I can't touch the door because I don't want to put the jermies on the door. You know, that's another thing. I don't want to touch the door because, I, I mean, it's all, my hands are, like, literally dripping wet because it had rained. It's Pittsburgh. I get, I put the, the in the bowl, and I'm walking into the office, and somebody just so happens to open the door. I'm like, oh, thank you. I run to the bathroom and I scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub. You know, I'm like, ah. Then you would think God spoke to me, but he didn't. No, I'm just kidding, he did. <laughs> he says, Tony, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Luke 16, 10. And he said, Tony, can I trust you? And I'm like, Lord, you know you can. Well, I hope. I want to be trusted. He said, will you obey me even when it doesn't make sense? Yes, Lord, you know I will. He said, do you trust me? I'm like, yeah, I do. Back to Jesus commanding the disciples, you give them something to eat. So we've identified the need. We've got 5,000 hungry men or 8,000 people or whatever. We've taken inventory. We can either spend eight months salary and get everybody a little smidgen, some crumbs, or 
we got this kid over here with five loaves and two fish, which we all know Peter's about to eat the whole entire thing. He's already making a sandwich over there. Continuing verse 39, Jesus commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Point number four, be a blessing. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Mark 6.41, and this I'm reading out of the NASB. Well, actually, most of that was NASB, but for a specific reason, follow along with me here. I think it's on the screen. Yeah. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed the food and he broke the loaves and watch this. He kept giving them to the disciples to set before them and he divided up the fish among them all. Now, this is just my opinion, okay? We don't really know how it happened or what happened, but taking that scripture and what it says for what it says, both Mark and Luke's account says that he kept giving them. So here's what I'm seeing. He breaks it, puts it in a basket. The disciples go out. They give, 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 give. Oh, sorry, Sam, there's no more left. Man, he goes back to Jesus. He kept giving it to them. Goes back, hey, man, I got some for you now. Here you go. And then they had to keep coming back. Now, like I said, I don't know if that's how it happened, but I think this is a great reminder because they got a blessing from Jesus, but they had to return to get refilled. Thanks. It's it's a God thing, so. (laughs) I think it's a great reminder that when when we begin to use our time, talents, and treasures, that we keep going back to Jesus for the refill. He did not send us out and say, now you're good, just go. Don't ever come back. No, he said, come back. I want you to come back. Either way, we can see that Jesus wanted to bless the crowd through the disciples. Because I heard, I read, I did some, some serious deep research into this. Some theologians would say that, that the, the, the miracle actually happened in the disciples' hands. Like he broke it, gave it to the disciple, and like, so, you know, Peter's handing it out, and he's like, you get, just take a little bit. Come on, Christian, just a little bit, man. Diana, just take a little bit. Take a little bit, because we only got to look at this half a bun, man. Take a little bit. Take a little bit. Why is it getting bigger? Oh, my gosh, take as much as you want. Now, that could have happened too. Either way, either way, he wanted the disciples to be the blessing. And we see how we also can be the arms and the hands of God. God graciously involves us in his work. Does he need us? Nope. He doesn't need us. He wants us. He wants us to rely on him. I think so often we miss the mark because of our lack of understanding. Do you think that God needed me, the God of all things, the God who spoke the very world into existence with his breath? He went, (sighs) and it formed and everything happened. Do you think he was like, Tony, I'm really desperate here, man. I need you to clean up that McDonald's bag because like, it's it, man. It's either this or the whole world's gonna crumble. I don't believe that. But I wanted to see I think he wanted to see if I was going to listen to him. 
Will you pick up a disgusting McDonald's bag if I asked you? Because if you will, that means you are obedient. That means you will listen. That means you are willing. Are you willing today? Are you willing to do the things that don't make sense? Sometimes things don't make sense. Sometimes things are like, what? That doesn't, why? Does it matter? Does it matter? No. I do believe that sometimes we have to be obedient in the natural to unlock the supernatural. Come on. I believe that we have to do the things that don't seem right to us to unlock the things that we can't see. Jesus said to me, can I trust you? Yes. Will you do whatever I say, no matter if it makes sense to you or not, in the natural? Yes. Do you trust me to do the supernatural? I also believe that God is more concerned with your obedience than your abundance. When I, when I was writing this down, I'm like, ooh, that's good. I'm sure somebody said that before because that's a good one. God is more concerned with us obeying him. He was more concerned with me obeying him about picking that up than actually cleaning the floor. He didn't care about, I mean, he wants the floor clean, but he was more concerned with me obeying him. So challenge, what needs do you see around you, neighborhood, family, church, or praying for the ones that you don't see because there are many needs. There are so many needs. There are so many people that need our help. There are so many people that need our time, talent, and treasure. But I believe there's something blocking it. <clears throat> we need volunteers to help run this place, this church. From children, not just because I'm the kid's pastor, it's not a shameless plug, but we need help in the children's ministry, the men's ministry, the youth, the young adults, the connections, the women's ministry, and so many other things. There's so many things that we can do. There are so many needs that we have. Take your own inventory. What can you give? What can you do? Or what do you have that you can take to Jesus like five loaves and two fish, what are those things that you have that you can take to Jesus? Be obedient, even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it doesn't make sense in the natural, so that you can unlock the supernatural. Be a blessing. I never thought I would be a pastor, ever. You, could ask, you can ask my wife. I never thought I would ever be a pastor. I actually never thought I would be a worship leader. I never thought I would be a youth leader. I never thought people would trust me to lead a trip. I never thought that people would ask me to help out. I was just there. I wanted to go and, and be with God. But the important thing is to do what God says, even if it doesn't make sense. And sometimes it just won't. Sometimes we don't understand what he's asking us to do in the natural, why that has any implication to anything else. Sometimes that natural is for him to say, you'll obey me in the natural. I know you can obey me in the supernatural. And I believe that the supernatural, he wants us to operate in that. 
So what we're going to do, we're going to open up this altar. We're going to sing a song while we open up this altar. If you're, if you're an altar worker, you want to come up and get ready. Here's the block. I think people are stuck in a rut because I believe as, as I was praying for this, people are missing this because you feel like you're not good enough or you don't have enough or you're not going to do it well enough. Jesus didn't tell me how to pick up the bag of garbage. He just said, pick it up. Jesus doesn't always say, you have to be an amazing vocalist and that's the only thing that you can do or, or, or an amazing musician. I literally went around the church and picked up pieces of paper because I didn't want to see garbage on the floor. I saw a need and I took it. Nobody asked me to do it. I just felt like I needed to. So altar team, if you're ready, here's what I want you to do. If today, as they begin to sing this song, if today you're, you're, you're sitting there and you're saying, Pastor Tony, I, I, I know God is calling me to do something. I just don't know how to do it or I just don't think I'm enough. Guess what? <laughs> we're not. We're not enough. And we're never gonna be good enough. But if we give what we have, he can use it and he will use it. If you're sitting there today and you're saying, I know God has been calling me to do something. I don't know how. I don't know, I don't know what exactly he wants me to do. But if that's you today, I want you to come down here and line up the front. If you're saying, I'm ready, I'm ready to give what I have. I'm ready to, to, to seek it out and, 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 and continue to pray about this and, and ask God. If you're saying, you know what, God, I'm tired of, I'm tired of being disobedient. I want to obey. I'm ready to give what I have to you, Jesus. Would you come? Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out at centralconnect.org.